0: Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. Today on this episode, we have Simply Simone from Instagram, otherwise known as her first name, Simone. Um, she has scoliosis, and she's going to go ahead and tell us our, her story. So Simone, I'd
1: like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. Um, so talking about my own scoliosis story, it started in the fifth grade. And I remember distinctly, we were called into the nurse's office to do the scans on your back. The pretty routine, now. pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went through it and kids are so silly the things that we find to entertain ourselves I remember somebody came up with the term scoliosis because they were like oh what if it's this thing that you like school too much so of course everybody laughs and it's just this this thing that you know, all of a sudden you don't want to be associated with and naturally we do the scans I'm at the playground uh, later on that day probably writing a novel with one of my friends uh, ambitious kids and I got called back into the nurse's office where they told me they had suspicions that I might have scoliosis and informed my parents as well and recommended that I go to a specialist. So that was fifth grade. I'll always remember that dumb scoliosis joke because <laughs> it was such a silly thing to talk about at the time uh, and such a silly term for something that has honestly really been it, had a huge impact on my life, you know, thinking back. Um, so was diagnosed, had scoliosis, didn't think much about it, but entered middle school and all of a sudden was presented with this dilemma. My doctor told me, you know, I can give you a brace. People with scoliosis, you can wear braces um, to help support you and help strengthen your spine. And we had a lot of conversations about whether or not I would do it. Would I appreciate I think in hindsight was that he never forced me into a decision he truly left it up to to me and my mom as he's supposed to but it was still kind that there was no pressure one way or the other Um, and I also appreciate the fact that he did which I don't think every doctor based off the friends that I've talked to does is that he talked a little bit about the mental and emotional implications of wearing a brace right he was very forthcoming about the fact that it might make me self-conscious um i remember he made this joke he said if you're trying to wear clothes like britney spears you probably won't want to wear that okay <laughs> so we to see it and so i ended up not bracing just for a series of reasons and i don't go back to that decision and you know either regret it or not regret it it just mm-hmm. it was a decision that i made but i do at least appreciate that i had that option because i know that not everybody does What were your
0: curves when you were first diagnosed and then when the decision-making for the brace
1: came into play? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember the starting number, but I remember the degree when we made the decision to fuse was 45 degrees, 45 degree angle. And I remember distinctly the doctor had told me what typically happens is you, you get you have scoliosis you go through adolescence you grow up as you grow so does your curve it had gotten to the point where i had stopped growing but my curve mm-hmm. did keep growing okay um, by a significant amount of degrees but i don't remember that starting that starting number
0: how long was it from the time that you were diagnosed until the time the surgery
1: came into play I was diagnosed, so fifth grade, and then surgery was officially on the table senior year of high school.
0: Okay, that's quite a substantial
1: gap. A significant amount of time. And I remember the conversation around surgeries as a hypothetical Mm -hmm. started probably freshman or sophomore year. My doctor was really reluctant to do it, which is why he wanted to wait, he wanted to wait, he wanted to wait. And then once I hit 18, he was like, it's still growing. We should go ahead and do this now. It's also okay. probably easier on you and easier on your body for you to have the surgery now rather than wait years down the line.
0: Did you, did you have any type of physical therapy or did he give you any type of exercise? How, how what, do you remember what year it was when you were diagnosed in, when you were in fifth grade?
1: Uh, why? Why don't I remember that age? I was born in ninety two. <laughs> Would have been about eleven. So that's I think it might have been two thousand one, two thousand two. Okay. Did did
0: your orthopedic was he involved or aware of any type of physical um, physical therapy for scoliosis?
1: Probably. Okay. And something that I'm very honest about is, and I don't know if you know other people have said this too. Um, when you're going through that so early, there's so much that you miss, so many bits of information about your scoliosis that yeah. you're just not paying attention to or you're not cluing into. Mm-hmm. So conversations around physical therapy are not conversations that I remember, okay. but it was a big part of the conversation post operation. Okay. A huge part of the conversation, okay. yeah. But
0: it's, it sounds like, I mean, from what, there's so much more that we're gonna talk about, but just from what mm-hmm. I'm hearing already, It sounds like this orthopedic was very realistic, Mm -hmm. very open about what your possibilities are and aren't. So there was no sugarcoating on any of it. And there were no scare tactics from the point that you were diagnosed until the point that you and your mom decided for you to partake in surgery. And I think
1: that that goes a long way. I know, because it's not everybody's story. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to him. Obviously, he's a huge part of my own scoliosis journey. But when you said he doesn't sugarcoat, that's I'm picturing him right now. He did not sugarcoat a thing. He gave mm-hmm. it to me and my mom very straight. And again, she obviously caught more weight more than I did. But he was so supportive in that way.
0: Yeah. And, and your orthopedic is based in
1: uh, New York City? No, so I am a Texan. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. So okay, okay. <laughs> yes, so he is in <laughs> Central Texas, um, a very well known orthopedic surgeon there. But that's where okay. I had the surgery. Okay, and and talk to us a little bit about what it was like for
0: you, with the fact of having scoliosis, being in school, with that snarky comment of scoliosis. Like, what was it like in your school and your surroundings with your, you know, your peers? Um, Did you have pain? Did they notice it? Fill us in on what your life was like during that time.
1: Oh, my goodness. What a time. The pain is probably the number one thing that comes to mind when I think about my time from middle school into high school after I was diagnosed the is there a single chair in the school any school system that is comfortable but it's definitely not comfortable when your back is uneven so I do remember and it got really bad I think starting eighth and ninth grade I was always so desperate in classes to just be able to stand up or to lean a different way okay but I was also a kid that did not like to be noticed so I did not do that so I just had to sit there in discomfort Church was the same way, Um, you know, very faith-based family, was in church every Sunday, but pews aren't comfortable either. So there was a period of time where I I had to move to sort of the softer chairs where some of the the more senior people of the church sit. Mm -hmm. Um, I had this wonderful, wonderful friend who used to rub my back during church. So I had support around me, but it just felt like everywhere that I was for long periods of time, I was always in pain and then really self-conscious about showing that I was in pain. In terms of, you know, talking openly about scoliosis, I I didn't really. I think my close friends knew. I was also a dancer. I was on the dance team, okay. and that was the only time that I ever wore tight clothing. Just because you know, leotards are tight. Most yes. dance costumes are tight. Um, otherwise, I was very much like a, a shirt two sizes too big, so nobody would notice kind of girl. And I do remember, I think I made it all the way until senior year. I was so close um, to getting all the way through high school without anybody saying somebody, but a girl on my dance team was sitting behind me in line and very quietly, so I appreciate her being subtle. She was like, do you have scoliosis? And it was just so like, ah, I didn't want to be called off. Ah, of course you're seeing it in my leotard. So I remember that being a, a weird moment for me. It was the first time somebody had pointed it out to me. Okay. it also didn't feel like she was doing so in a in a negative or rude way okay she was genuinely curious okay and when you
0: talked about your pain so do you know if you have an s-curve or a c-curve and what s-curve so where do you um where did your pain target the most what part of your body
1: i remember especially when sitting in any of the chairs, whether it be at school or church, it was by my shoulder blades Okay. and there it would go from sort of a dull throbbing pain to a really sharp acute pain. If I didn't sort of move or massage it fast okay. enough. Okay. And then it went just back to the dull long lasting pain, but it was mostly upper back for me. Now it's funny because a lot of my pain is, is in my, my lower back, but at the time it was my upper back.
0: Okay. And What was like, how long was your surgery?
1: My surgery, I had it on December 10th, 2010, I believe. And I went in and was done by the end of the day, but was in the hospital for seven days. Okay.
0: Okay. And what was, what was it like once you got home?
1: rough um pretty rough when i came home i mean even exiting the hospital just getting up and walking around the hospital was was tough it was challenging and it was kind of scary Mm -hmm. Um, but at least i was sort of navigating something new in a new environment so it all felt new it was frustrating being at home okay because i was still trying to get comfortable putting one foot in front of the other again, get comfortable sort of looking around me because my neck felt so stiff and it hurt so bad, Um, stairs, we have stairs in our house and that was a big fear thing for me and also my parents and my sisters. So I just remember it being uncomfortable and they did everything that they possibly could to make me as comfortable as possible, but I was just in pain, I was recovering. And I also, you know, huge props to my mom, who's also an incredible star of my scoliosis journey and story. She had to act like a nurse to me for the weeks that I was recovering. So I remember we we got pretty close during that time. She was with me almost all hours of the day, or at least in reach. She was the one that was sort of cleaning off my stitches and whatnot. So I at least feel like I'd had incredible, an incredible support system at home, but it was uncomfortable.
0: And, and how long, so when did you have your surgery?
1: 2010. Do you
0: remember what time of the year it was? December. Okay. So I have never been to Texas. What's the weather like in Texas? Warm. In December, it's, <laughs> it's warm. Okay. So I know in yep. summer, it's like blazing hot. <laughs> but so so there was no impact aside from being just, I'm going to say in air quotes, the normal, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. There was no, um, you,
1: you didn't have any pain due to the weather. No. And I didn't experience that until I moved to New York four (laughs) years after my surgery. Okay. And I just remember being like, what is happening to my back right now? (laughs) Why do I feel like this? And,
0: and yeah, it's New York is special that way.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Our buildings (laughs) are like,
0: our buildings are like vacuums and then you get blown with the wind Mm -hmm. it's like mary poppins when all the nannies are floating up we're like
1: and i don't know if i mean it's it's me and i also have Texas legs mm-hmm. so the first time that it snowed or iced and I had to walk out of my house and go do things um, in the snow that was novel I was walking so carefully and so stiffly because I was terrified of slipping and falling on my back and I was like that's it all the hardware is going to go which is not the case but I was so terrified do you, what type of hardware do you have do you know um, great question. And I actually called my mom earlier today to see if she could remember for me, but I know I have the titanium rod that's fused to my spine. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember the number of screws that I have that I've never able to keep straight. For some reason, I want to say three, but I don't know if that makes any sense, Okay. Um, but I know it's titanium. Okay. Sometimes I think we just block things out intentionally.
0: There is, it's, it's, I, I don't know where I'm fused from
1: anymore. And I don't know how many screws I'm I have. I'm so glad that you said that. I'm so glad that you said that because I was starting to feel as as we've grown our scoliosis community and we have more conversations, people are coming to the table and I feel like everybody knows I'm not gonna call them your stats, but everybody sort of knows right. their hardware. But like I never remember. Yeah. I don't know why, but I never
0: remember. I, I don't know. I I'm sure I'm I'm not gonna say that it's not important not to know. Hmm. But um I I don't need to know.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: I had the surgery so long ago that you know that it's still a dark time during that time, and um, there are certain things that I'm sure I blocked out.
1: Oh, for sure. So, but you want to hear a funny thing about maybe blocking out? Go, go for it. Go for it. So I just uh, a really rough thing happened. I was meant to have the surgery. After I graduated high school in the summer before I went to college and I was all excited for it. I was ready for it. I had so many expectations for this surgery, expectations that in hindsight were way too heavy to put on myself at the time, but I couldn't wait for my perfect straight pretty back. And the closer, the sooner I could do it, the better. And I went in for my pre-op check and they told me I was having blood complications, And I was going to, it would not have been wise to operate on me until I sort of got that under control. Okay. So we had to push it to December. And I I cried and cried and cried over that situation. But I do, I, I thought I remembered when we got to the actual surgery in December, that my blood complications hadn't been fully sorted out and that I was going to need a transfusion. I called my mom earlier this morning and asked her just to verify and she doesn't remember that at all. So you talk about this dark time and this yeah. you know, this blur of memories. I, I, I really don't know what happened. It's yeah. a shame that I can't remember that. It's,
0: it's, it's interesting always to hear what people take in and what people leave out. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. all serves a purpose of what we choose to take in and what we choose to leave out. I believe that. Tell us a little bit about when, so I'm just going to backtrack a little bit to when before the surgery, what was Mm -hmm. it like? I mean, I know you talked about the scoliosis, but, and you had the great support of your family, your parents and your sister. Um, What was it like with, with uh, just with life? I mean, classmates, like you had that one snarky person, but did people kind of, did they treat you, you? Did they treat you? Sorry,
1: it's New York. I hear something on my street too. <laughs> this wouldn't be a proper podcast between two New Yorkers. It's true. If you didn't hear this. It's
0: true. I. It's it's all the time. <laughs> but what was it like when, um, you know, when when your friends at school, like, did they look at you differently? Did they? I mean, you didn't have a brace, so you kind of had that element of your life taken away to to keep you more in air quotes hidden. Sure. So, but how was it in like, did your friends know what it was? Did, did
1: you share that with them? Yeah. I shared it with my close, close friends. Okay. And it meant I can't put this on them, but it felt like it didn't mean much of anything to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of them certainly came back with the question, "What's that?" Mm-hmm. And um, I would have to explain it to them, and they were like, "Oh, okay." Um, so it wasn't a big deal to anyone. I think, to a certain extent, it was. It felt like it was only really a big deal to me, and maybe my mom, who had to hear it, see how much pain I was in when I right. wasn't trying to hide it from her. But my friends, you know, didn't really notice anything. Air quotes off okay or make any comments
0: and and now I'm going to jump a little bit forward you had the surgery you were in ho- you were at home how did your friends then did you have the same group of friends during that from the time you were diagnosed until post surgery or was it kind of like a new chapter
1: not a completely new chapter there were still definitely plenty of friends from my pre surgery days Okay. And then post-surgery, I mean, I was a freshman in college. I had it during winter break. So when I went back, um, it was the second semester of freshman year. And so I you, had had new friends by that time.
0: So you only took off during winter break to have the surgery? And then, yep. wow, that's impressive.
1: <laughs> it was tough. I, and I mentioned I'm Texas born and raised, I grew up in Austin, and then I went to school at the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. So I'll be really honest and say that I had the six weeks of recovery time that winter break gave me. Mm -hmm. And maybe three or four weeks in, my mom was still driving me places around campus. Okay. If there was some place that I had to go that was really far away. So it was sort of like an extended recovery time, but I was at school just with very close home support.
0: Okay. And then, so you had that, you had that, I'm going to say extended support close by same group of friends and how, how, I mean, I, it sounds like such an, I'm going to say a ridiculous question, but how was life for you different
1: post-surgery? No, that's a great question. And even just talking about the friends, you know, it. I can't get into anyone else's mind, but my own, but I imagine being 18 years old and one of your closest friends just had back surgery. It's not something that really computes at the time. So I remember very clearly I'm like four weeks into recovery post-op. And I get a text from a friend, a sweet text that she thought was absolutely harmless. She was like, do you want to come ice skating? Like, no, I don't want to come ice skating. (laughs) I can't go ice skating. So I remember that. I I was so frustrated by that. I was like, of course, I would love to go ice skating if I hadn't just had back surgery, friend. Um, I haven't seen you this whole time. So I I definitely, it took me a while to let go of some of the, a little bit of the anger that I had that not Mm -hmm. more of my friends were more aware of how intrusive and intensive that surgery was. Mm -hmm. But again, giving grace, we were 18 years old, freshmen in college. Nobody's thinking about you know other people in that way. But that was something that was different. And what I liked a lot too was that it helped me solidify my new chapter of friends because the people who I had met freshman year and then I told, Hey, over winter break I'm gonna have back surgery, they checked in. Um, they sent me things. As yeah. soon as I was back on campus, they were like my bodyguards, they were like, I had my roommate said, Nobody's going to touch you. If anybody bumps you, they gotta deal with me. Yeah. I was like, Oh, these are good friends, these are yeah. wonderful friends. It, it,
0: it. It shows how people show up, mm-hmm. and what were what were you told post surgery that you can do and that you cannot do? Because this I is was... always such a mixed bag between everybody, isn't it? It's and, insane, and I'm kind of like, uh, okay.
1: I mean, everybody, and, and everybody's do we, different. Do we feel confident that we have a single source of truth on on of truth on that? Um, that I... yeah. I am, I was told by my wonderful surgeon, and I appreciate him saying this, everything that you could do before your surgery, you're going to be able to do after your surgery. If you weren't able to do a backflip before, you're not going to be able to do one now, <laughs> but everything else you're probably good for. And that felt great. And also added to a lot of my post-op frustration and anger because I did not physically feel like I could do everything that I did before my surgery. He said that I would be able to, and I got so frustrated because I didn't feel it.
0: And how long did it take you to accept that frustration?
1: It's 2021. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Last year, it really, truly recently, maybe a couple of years ago. I mean, I've been sitting on this for a while, and hadn't really truly realized it until I got a little bit more connected to the the scoliosis community online. Mm -hmm. But it took me years to to get over some of that frustration. And it was only frustration with self. And in some instances, I do feel like I blocked my own or I belabored my own recovery period, because Mm -hmm. there were plenty of exercises that my PT told me to do that I was, you know, too young and having too much fun to do consistently. Right. And there were so many things I knew that were um, making my pain worse that I was like, but I want to keep doing it, you know?
0: So what, so what do you do now? And what don't you do?
1: (laughs) In terms of. No backbends. (laughs) Sorry. No backbends. No backbends, not doing any backbends, no backflips. I am doing, I'm still dancing. And that was something that made me really self-conscious for a while because I just felt different dancing after my surgery than I did before. Mm -hmm. But it's still something that I absolutely enjoy. I love ballet bar based workouts. Um, Floor bar, if you've ever tried that, is absolutely the the best stretching session. So I, I enjoy that a lot. I haven't fully gotten into yoga yet. I've had some frustrations with, with what I perceived to be yoga <laughs> in the past, yeah. but I'm coming around to that now. So,
0: what's the difference between floor
1: bar and ballet bar? Yeah. So, ballet bar is when you consider you're thinking about a ballerina. You're standing upright mm-hmm. and you're at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the difference. Is that with ballet bar you're standing with floor bar you are lying on the ground in the same positions for a second. Um, but you are lying down. So you're alleviating so much of the weight that you're putting on your lower body and you're just able to sort of relax. But
0: so there's technically, there's no bar involved.
1: No bar involved.
0: Okay. 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 Yeah, that makes total sense. I was just Mm -hmm. confused by the word bar, but I Mm -hmm. guess that's maybe a new marketing. (laughs) I should be
1: floor ballet, I guess, but I, I discovered it and I... Love it so much, and it serves
0: you well. And and mm-hmm. dance is dance is freeing the soul. You know, it's it's just movement of the soul of how you are able to express your body
1: mm-hmm.
0: in that moment. So you do that, and yeah. do you do any weight training? I don't do any weight. Training. Okay, that's don't. it's yeah no it's you know that's why I say everybody's everybody's uh, modalities or movements are different. Mm. Um, and I was just wondering because if you're Orthopedic had said you can do it if you had taken it on. Do you feel that there's frustration in that that you haven't taken it on or are you
1: just not interested in it to take it on? I'm not gonna call myself a wimp. I think it's a little bit of interest because I know what to work out, I have to be very, very motivated, like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And there's not much in the (laughs) currently that motivates me more than music and nailing a routine. So that's just been my go-to. And I haven't spent a lot of time exploring other things. Okay. That being said, I recently bought myself some wrist weights, so maybe I'm maybe I'm on the journey. <laughs> you just
0: you just you know what you'll you'll see how it feels and how it goes, yeah. and that's that's it. Um, what else would you like to share with us on this episode?
1: I. Well, two things, just finishing off the, what I do for myself, I realize this in so many cases is a luxury. It is a privilege. I, I do budget for it, but I know it can't always happen, but I have found so much relief in massage therapy and I find so much comfort in that too. And I think, you know, for anybody out there when you're looking for a good treat yourself time, treat your back too. That's such a, I love that feeling.
0: It's as important as the mental space that you allow yourself. It is. Because when, it you get, is. when you get the, I'm going to say that, that drive with a hand or a thumb or whatever, y- y- there's oxygen also that flows to the brain and then you just decompress. I love that. Yeah. It feels so nice. Yeah. So I highly recommend. And what else would you like to share with somebody who's listening to this and who says, I, I just was diagnosed and I'm feeling frustrated? What would be your go-to for them?
1: I would say, I'm thinking about my old self too. I would say feel your frustration. Feel it, absolutely. Don't run from it, don't cower from it, face it head on. But also, you know, what I wish I could have been told, or would just hear more often was that there is sort of beauty in the difference that i have so instead Mm -hmm. of putting two shirts over me to hide the curve instead of you know finding different tops and different swimsuits to hide my scar just you know do the best that you can to embrace it you are different and you are unique and that is something to be celebrated not something to hide from i recently came into I recently learned about the term wabi-sabi, a Japanese term, and it's the embracement of flaws and imperfections. When they break a plate, it's not like, oh, this plate is ruined, let me toss it out. You adorn it and you adore that plate because it's that much more special. And no, I'm not comparing anybody to a broken plate at all. I'm just saying the thing that makes <laughs> you different- broken. we're broken, and we're just bent. <laughs> But we're not broken. No, no. We are fully whole, but there is there is something different. Our spine is different, and nothing is broken, but it's it's bent, it's it's curved, it's got a different shape to it. And that's something that I think makes us even more unique. Um, it gives us a strength and a power that you know I don't think I necessarily would have gained without going through this. Mm -hmm. I would tell anybody to embrace that term wabi-sabi. It's a beautiful way of celebrating something different. So it's just basically
0: finding. I'm going to say brokenness, Five. finding the beauty in your brokenness.
1: Absolutely.
0: Even though we're not broken. We're just bent. Even though we're not broken. <laughs> Simone, I, we have, we have uh, been in touch through a mutual friend who was mm-hmm. also a guest on the podcast, uh, Allison. Shout out to Allison. Yes. Allison, the rock star, <laughs> the Australian singer. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> tell us a little bit
1: how you guys met. We met through our boyfriends and it was during COVID times. And that was my bubble. It was me and my boyfriend, her and her boyfriend. And we, at first we were all sitting downstairs, I think watching TV or watching a movie. And I was complaining about my back hurting. And we were talking about that. And her boyfriend goes, oh, Alison, you know, has that too. We're like, oh, you have scoliosis. That's and it was so funny because within like two minutes, we had both pulled out our cell phones to look up our scars. And then we're sharing, um, I'm sorry, our x-rays. We were sharing mm-hmm. x-ray photos. Like, oh, this looks just like mine. It was so funny. Such a chance encounter. It's, and this all happened during COVID. During <laughs> this all what? happened during COVID. And now she okay. is a dear friend. Um, we hang out without the guys. I'm really glad that I have her in my corner.
0: That's, it. That's a great way to... Uh grow the scoliosis community. Mm -hmm. She's, she's just a sweetheart. She's a sweetheart. And I I know there's a picture of the two of you with your backs, with the scars. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a really impactful picture because it shows that we don't stand alone. Exactly. That we don't stand alone. Please share with us where people can find you on social media.
1: Sure. I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram. The handle is simply Simone underscore. I um, would love new followers, love new people to meet and follow back. Um, I especially love how many people I've met just on Instagram in the scoliosis community. And you can also, I think, I'm so on there, find me on Twitter, same handle, simply Simone underscore. I have nothing to promote, but <laughs> would love to follow you.
0: You're just, you're, you're promoting your story. The story. your story for people to share for people to find and for people to relate with so simone i would My like birth. to thank you for being a guest on the show if anybody would like to contact simone on instagram you can find her as simply simone underscore and you can send her a dm follow her and she will answer any questions you have about her story Absolutely. about how she can help you with yours. Simone, thank you for being a guest on the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my 5 free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.